This sports social podcast is brought to you by BetVictor, where live streams, smart stats, and in-play betting can help you make your best bet yet. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, guys. It's Trevor Tolliver here, and you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, folks, this is the Blue Day podcast. And for Chelsea fans across the world, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host and creator, Keith Lawrence. And joining me again this week is a Chelsea defender who wore his shirt with pride. I can't say the same about the current crop of Chelsea players. It's Steve Wick. Steve, New Year, same old Chelsea. Where shall we begin? Should we begin at the game or should we begin at, um, oh, I don't know, the current regime at the moment that a lot of people are starting to question a little bit and I'm including the manager in that? Well, it's not the same old Chelsea because we've done bloody well as a club over the last, I don't know how many years, but it's the new frustration, Chelsea, that I'm watching and I'm looking at it thinking, what's the pattern of play? What's the game plan? What are we trying to achieve? I can't work it out. I cannot work it out. There's no style of play. Yes, if there was, you know, we used to play a game where if you got 10 passes in, you got a goal. Mm. Or we would probably won that game about 25 nil. But we don't go anywhere. We go sideways and backwards. And we don't release players up front. If I was one of those front players uh, uh, yesterday, I'll be pulling my hair out because you're making runs and the ball's not coming. So what's going to happen? They're going to stop making runs. Well, that's what happened, um, yeah. especially yesterday. We are going to touch on the game uh, that happened yesterday at the City Ground, which I, which I did attend. Um, we're going to touch on a few games as well, sort of picking out. And we're possibly, well, we might as well because we are going to play them twice this week anyway. We're going to preview the games against Manchester City. This week, both in the Premier League and the FA Cup. But in terms of when I sort of said on the top of the show, Steve, about the same old Chelsea, I'm talking within the last 12 months, the 20 years we've had success under Roman. And, you know, you said it before we started recording a, a lot of managers and it was a cutthroat business that Roman led. There were certain managers that got the sack, which I felt was undeserved. And I think many other Chelsea supporters would probably say the same. But there was trophies to go with that. This new Chelsea, 
there's nothing about it that screams positive to me. You've got an American owner, and I'm not knocking the Americans before people start spouting off. It's a new year, let's new start. Let's you know, let's all be nice to each other. We've got an American owner who I think has played too much football manager in his spare time, who's decided to bring in the recruitment staff, a lot of them from Brighton, to work with Mr. Potter, who I think even his mate Ronald Weasley and Albus Dumbledore can't save him now. I think it's getting to the point where... hmm, Who's going to last longer at their respected job? Graham Potter or Liz Trust? Well, I think it's going to be Graham Potter, but I think it's got to change quickly. Quite close. <laughs> it's going to, it's got to change quickly. You know, you know, with all due respect, I said to you at the very start. Do you remember the interviews we had? There's such a different way of coaching when you're coaching an elite club that needs to win trophies, or you're coaching a club that your directive is to keep them in the Premier League. There's a massive, huge divide between the two. And the one thing that I find really hard to understand sometimes is, is, you know, is interviews after games where I'm listening to him, I'm thinking, well, what are you saying? He doesn't talk like a, a manager of an elite club. You know, he says the most mundane Things that honestly, if you're a Chelsea fan, well, you are a Chelsea fan, you know, you listen and you, you wouldn't get one grain of confidence from what he says. Um, and I think he's got to change because it's about, it's no longer about keeping a club in the Premier League, it's about winning the Champions League. Because I'll tell you what, if we lose two more games and the teams above us win, that will be out of reach. So the only We're seven way... points from fourth. And I know people are gonna people are gonna be a little bit surprised with what I'm about to say next. I'm not concerned. My my aim for this season isn't oh we must get fourth. We must get fourth. I don't want us to have an Arsenal mentality. And what I mean by that is not the Arsenal of old, whereby fourth was deemed a trophy. Fourth was deemed success. I don't want us to turn into that. If we win the FA Cup and finish eighth, shoot me down, I would actually accept that, considering we've had a change in manager and I've been up and down this country with many miles behind me and I've seen some dire... Horrible performances. If we win the FA Cup, I would take that. However, there has to be a change in where we are going. Because at the moment, we're on the road to nowhere here. We do quite well against Bournemouth, albeit the second half from what many people told me that we're at the ground. Pardon me, French Steve, was shit. We scored two goals in the first half, which was great. And we, we, we it was basically the same as... Yesterday, we looked in control in the first half and we could have had chances to extend our lead yesterday. And in the second half, we just dropped off and we allowed the the opposing team 
to get back into the game. That's what happened against Bournemouth, and thankfully, because Bournemouth are quite bad, they didn't get back into the game, but we didn't score that second, crucial second goal yesterday against Forrest. And I was there, I was four rows, five rows from the front, so I, I will be thanking the, my um, ticket man for the uh, ticket, if he's not already listening to this. But we scored the first goal with Sterling, which was a which was a bit of a fluke. You know, Pulisic has done something that he don't normally do. He actually, he actually crossed it into the box. Sterling was on hand. He was at the right place at the right time. But we should have got to get the second and the third goal. We should have piled the pressure on. I don't like Havertz as a centre forward. I know needs must. I know he has played there before. And I know this false nine bollocks. He's That's not his strength. That is not his strength. His strength is behind the striker. Or albeit put him out wide. Give him a free roll. Striker is not his forte. So that's the first main weakness we've got. And we don't score enough goals. We said it, Steve, before the show, before we started recording. Our top goal scorer has got six goals. In all, in all competitions, not just in the Premier League, in all competitions, our top goal scorer has got six goals. We're now in January. No, I... You know, and then I'll go down to on the list. I won't name I won't name the names, but you've got the next person on five. Then you've got a trio of players on three. One's got two. The rest have got one. Yeah, one. And the man, our leading goal scorer is Raheem Sterling. Yeah. Now, bearing in mind, he lost the ball more times than I think any other player yesterday. Drives me mad. And he's done that on a consistent basis this season, whereby he's lost possession. He's our top goal scorer, Steve. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, and that's that's just mind-boggling. And whether people listen to talk sport, I've on certain shows, I've I've gone off talk sport for uh, certain reasons. For those that know me, will know why. But um, one of the people on the show that I was listening to on the, on the way back to from Nottingham was talking about the amount of money we've spent since Bowley's took over alone. And we don't look like we can score two, three, four goals past the teams at the bottom of the league struggling to keep clean sheets. Forest struggled to keep clean sheets. Bournemouth struggled to keep clean sheets. Them sorts of sides. And we struggled to score goals against them. And Todd has spent how much? I mean, we know how much. Yeah. But, well, you know, we. It's, it seems the old phrase, all the gear but no idea. Well, I think it's, it's, a, it's typical of an, a, an American taking over a football club with a massive ego. You know, this is why I was so against Ronaldo. I just think what he'd be like if he just come into the church. Oh, goodness me. Could you imagine if he actually joined he us? Have, he would have never got... But, but what I'm saying is, how many clubs with American owners haven't had a rocky time? There's only one. There's only one. And actually, ironically, before the new owners, 
they had a terrible time with American owners, and that was Liverpool. Yeah. That was Liverpool. But the rest of the clubs that have, you know, Cronky, uh, uh, Arsenal. Is it Arsenal? Yeah. Cronky, That's right, Arsenal. yeah. You know, when 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 he, he first took over Arsenal, it was a joke because all they do is take the profits out of the club. At least these people. But what I love, Keith, is to know who is advising the owners. The owners, because I said to you once, what I liked about Manchester City was they're building a club, and they've got this massive jigsaw puzzle, and it seems to me Pep knows exactly. The piece of jigsaw he needs to go into that the big the big jig, uh, jigsaw puzzle, and they buy. They don't go and buy you know willy nilly. They they go and buy a piece that will fit into their jigsaw. We have just done this scattergunner. How many millions of pounds are we going to spend on centre backs? I'd love to know the guy that recommended Kulabai because mm. he has been a disaster. He, he was poor again against Nottingham. A disaster. But I will give him a little bit of a reprieve against Nottingham. I thought he was playing on, on the wrong side of the defence. Yeah. He's a left-sided centre-back. He's not right-sided. Yeah. I don't know why he's playing on the right. He looked off. He looked... It looked a fish out of water, him playing on the right side of, of defence. Um, and even when I saw it earlier on in the season, when we got battered by Leeds, Kulabai and Thiago Silva as a centre-back partnership does not work. It doesn't and work. That, and that showed last night. It does not work. No. But, but we, we, you know, we've signed our third centre-back. We have a, an existing centre-back that's 38 years of age. Who is a Rolls-Royce? And we all know that. But I think as he gets older, if you want to keep him playing, you've got to play in a three. Yeah. You've got to play in a three to protect him a little bit. Yeah. Um, and the new centre-back we signed is also left-sided. You I'm know, just so getting his name up now because... Um, well, it's a very hard one to. It's pronounce. a very, <laughs> it's a very hard one. If if anybody would actually want to get his um, shirt and want to get his name and number on the back, you're going to have to pay quite a bit because there are letters into that. I'm just putting it up now, Steve. But yeah, we've brought in another centre back from Monaco for 38 million. Partly, it does scream a little bit of the Timmy Bakayoko in me. I'm I'm being negative, I know, but. It seems as if there needs to be a, a missing person call going out because has anyone seen Trevor Chalaba? Well, it hasn't well, been confirmed that he's injured. No, I I am assuming that you know he he is allowed to play during the Christmas and New Year period. Where is he? Yeah, I totally agree. I'd rather I'd rather have one of our own. And then someone that is playing there that shouldn't, you know, that, that has not adjusted to the Premier League and looks like he's never going to adjust to the Premier League. Benoit Batishil, Steve, is the Monaco player. Benoit yeah. Batishil. Yeah, I know it's quite hard to pronounce. Um, but listen, I, I, as I said to you, Keith, you know, the other one, Abamian, who has caused a lot of problems at Chelsea. You know, he's getting paid an awful lot of money. 
it's upset a lot of the players in the dressing room that he's on so much money. And the one thing I would have said to the owners, before you sign him, have a look at the Arsenal documentary and see what you're signing. Because that is one unbelievable outlandish, unprofessional footballer turning up late, turning up late to, to you know, to team meetings. The big time Charlie in his, oh, I don't know, you know, his clothes matching his car. I wouldn't have touched him with a barge pole. And what they've done, they paid him a huge amount of money because they were desperate. They allowed it to get to a desperate situation. And now all the players who are on 125 grand a year are looking at him on 300 grand a year, seeing how, how, how he's behaving. And they're not happy. Well, if, if we believe the stories that are allegedly going out about Mason Mount wanting this amount, Edouard Mendy wanting a certain amount, could it be because of the fact that certain players that are on high wages are not performing and are not contributing, trying to put Chelsea further up the league? You look at the, you look at the puzzles, you look at the pieces in the puzzle it's starting to make a little bit of sense. So when you look at someone like Mason Mount, who allegedly wants 300 grand a week, and he's looking over at the table at Cobham and seeing Pierre with his bling and counting his, counting his notes, yeah, I would probably <laughs> think, yeah, you know what? If he's earning it, why am I not earning it? Yeah, I think, that, but again, it's, it's Americans. They don't understand the culture. And what's in the dressing room? Because everyone, what they deal with in America is players on huge amounts of money. Huge amounts of money. In a different, totally different aspect of sport in this country. You know, Mason Mount has earned the right to have, to earn a good contract. I know things haven't gone well for him lately i wouldn't say the contract he wants i wouldn't say he should have any, any anything he desires because i know that no, he's one of that. our own i know that a lot of people think that he could be you know a, a future chelsea legend i get all that i just look at looking back on his some of his performances especially against the, the big games for chelsea where he hasn't produced <clears throat> excuse me and you know, yes, he he might want three hundred grand, but is he after that alleged amount because of that's how he feels he's positioned, or is it because of some big time Charlie who's got that money and he thinks, hang on, I deserve that, not him. Well, if you look at Mason, he's a regular in the England squad, so he's gone about as far as he can do in terms of achieving what he's achieved in his young career. Um, and he's a very important member of the England squad. If I was the the entourage at Chelsea, he'd be the person, one of the people I'd be looking at to captain the club and take it forward mm. because of the way he projects himself and the way he behaves as a professional footballer. Um, and as I said, you brought in an influence that is the most, well, big-time Charlie I've ever met in my life. You know, he's... Um, oh, we've had a few down the years. Uh, I, I would uh, say he's the worst one. He, they've produced some of the big-time Charlies that we've had. Listen, there's no one more... Mm, some have Charlie. been like Chesney Hawks and have had one-hit wonders. 
Yeah. There, there. We, 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 we've had a few. Yeah, but you know, what I'm saying is Peter Osgood was one of those. He was a, you know, a manager who'd have been your biggest nightmare. But my God, you'd have him on your team every Saturday because he'd score goals and he was a, an absolute legend and he did it on. Well, the yeah, pitch. he, he, he produced on regular seasons. He, he, you know, he might not have been consistent to the point where he would be playing for England in every tournament or playing for one of the big clubs back then in the 70s, but he produced a Bamiang. Christ. Wind was quicker than him yesterday. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I saw Chris Rappers going faster than him on the pitch yesterday. Just, uh, you know, but... we we we, we hey, spoke hey. about this beforehand. Who's to blame? When, when when you sign a thirty three, thirty four year old centre forward, there's either two ways it can go. He loves the game. He's dedicated. He's a great professional. I.e., our centre back Thiago Silva. Right. That is an example of someone that has this desire to to just keep playing at the highest level. Then you've got your other ones who's signed for Chelsea because it's a massive payday. They're earning loads of money. It's the end of their career. And basically, they're just seeing it out. And to me, that spanks of uh, Aubameyang. That spanks of him. He's he's getting paid a load of money. He's living in the best part of London. He's having the time of his life. What a way to end your career. And unfortunately, we're victims of that. Um, and, and what I'm saying is, it goes back, who the hell is advising the owners? Because how many of those signings that we've had have been a success? Where you look and say, that's a great signing. That's a great signing. We can't say that. We can't say that because they, they it's, it's just... Turned out that we spent huge amounts of money on players that obviously aren't as good as what people thought thought they were. They're not as good. That's one thing Chelsea never did. Well, they did do, obviously, their examples. But at the end of the day, most of the signings that Chelsea made under Roman were great signings for the club and improved the club and improved the team. You know, this has been... As I said, he's, I think he's wanted to spend money to show the Chelsea fans that he want, he's not going to let them down in terms of finance. He's going to spend the money. But the fact is, he's spent the money on players that haven't improved the team. They haven't. They haven't improved the team. The team last year were better than the team this year. You know, Rudiger mm. is better than any centre-half that we've bought. You know, uh, we we. Nah, Steve, I I don't see a change to be honest. Well, I think we're better, Keith. I think we're better last year than we are this year, and I think you've got to look at it. You've got to say it's down to two things: tactics, the manager's approach. Um, you look at the players that we bought. Do they fit into a team structure? Are we playing? Can you listen? You're as big a Chelsea fan as it gets. Can you see the system we're trying to play? Can you see the style we're trying to play? 
Can you see what the manager's trying to do? No, but I, I didn't see that last season under Tuchel. Yeah, but this, this the... has been going on well before Potter arrived, in my, in my opinion. This has been going on for a while. Now, you could, I know people are blaming Potter. I know people are criticising him. Listen, I'm not his biggest fan. I didn't want him. He, he, he was not my first choice. I got why because of, you know, his peers and, you know, other people lapping his style of coaching and the fact that he's improved players and he's made Brighton into a competitive team. Yeah, I get that. But you said it beforehand. There is that type of club that type of football, and then there's what we've been used to for the past 20 years. For me, I've said it since he turned up, this this appointment screams David Moyes to me when he turned up at Man United nearly 10 years ago. This screams that. A guy who I believe is out of his depth, and he's trying to tell players, and I, again, Steve, you've, you're a player. You've been there. I haven't. I've, I've been nowhere near a bloody football pitch. You have. If you've got somebody who, with all due respect, and players will see this, disagree with me with anything that I might say next. Players will look at a manager that's come in that has won nothing, that has only got peers praise on ECV with no trophies, players will look at that and go, well, I've won this. How and why are you going to make me a better player? And after a certain point, it doesn't work. That same player is going to go, well, I'm not going to listen to you. You've not made me better. This system doesn't work. Why am, why am I going to try? I well, saw it at the city ground last night, Steve. I thought there was players that, I think are playing for themselves in not in a, not in a derogatory way, but I'm saying in regards to they're not listening to what Potter's asking for. And you can see with certain players, one of them, Hakeem, he came on. He seemed like a different player, albeit did he show that he cared? I think he's still got the Morocco thing in his head with the world cup. And, even Christian Pulisic yesterday, I thought it was one of his... I thought there was more of a positive performance in his game. But there are players, I think, that the ones that are going to perform, there's one reason for that. They want to move. Mm. And I believe they're looking at that because they're either thinking, this guy's not going to make it successful here. I want to go to a team that will make it successful. I need to go to a place where I am going to be loved where the fans aren't going to criticise me every time I touch the ball. That's where we are at at the moment. And where we are in the league table, which is a sad indictment, that's where we deserve to be because we are not competitive anymore. And but, but Keith, you know, I, listen, I agree with, with exactly, exactly what you're saying. But hold a minute. You've got Brighton Football Club, right, that have can only buy players for about 15, 20 million quid, right? They're very limited on the players they can buy, right? The whole club is geared up to survival, not win anything, 
just staying in the Premier League to earn the bucks from the TV deals and staying in the Premier League. Why is it then that Chelsea Football Club get their manager and sign everyone from Brighton Football Club to come into Chelsea? I can't work that out in my head. So the whole club now is full of ex-Brighton people. I cannot get that. You know, if it was Real Madrid people or Bayern Munich people or or Leipzig people that have done well or Dortmund people that have done well, I can understand that. But I can't understand signing the whole of Brighton Football Club to be involved in the playing side of Chelsea Football Club. I cannot see how that works. I can't see it for the life of me. The only positive I'm seeing, and this is a bit of a a bleak positive, but bear with me on this, is the the signings we are making. And you can see, I think there is going to be a change in recruitment this January window, the summer, and going forward. I don't think we are going to sign ready-made players anymore. I think the days of us signing players, and this is going to be a bit of a list, so bear with me, Steve. Not not the complete list, but uh, players on the top of my head. Players like Varon, Crespo, Claudio Pissarro, Maluda, excuse me, Kesman. Players like that, in terms of ready-made, been there, done it, and have won trophies. We are now signing players that are under 22, 23 years old that, in modern football terms, could have a resale value, which is what we did previously when we brought in the likes of Courtois and De Bruyne and Hazard, that although the intention, I think, wasn't to sell them at all, I think it was a case of bringing them in for cheap money and then bringing them up to become Chelsea icons, only one of them did. But that's type of philosophy where you're bringing in young players that are hungry, that see Chelsea as a step up to their current level. And I'm thinking of Nkuku at Leipzig, Benoit from Monaco, potentially Enzo Fernandez at Benfica. They're seeing Chelsea as a step up and they're looking at the club thinking, okay, this could be a good move for me and see where it goes three or four years time. I could get my move to then Real Madrid to win the Champions League, potentially. That's where I think the club, it seems, are going. I don't think we're going to be bright. Even players like Aubameyang, Fabregas, that's, that, was, that was another person on my mind as well. We're not going to buy players that have been there and done it. The problem I have is that's all very well and good. I don't mind that at all. The problem I have is the performances that I see on a pitch every weekend, some midweek, but every weekend for 90 minutes that is so inept piss poor and not good enough. When we have the ball, when we're in possession, we don't do enough with it. And when we're facing the other the other team and they've got the ball, 
we don't defend well. And we're relying on a 38-year-old to get us out of Stuck. And I saw in one performance in particular that I was thinking about when I was making the drive home from Nottingham last night was Aspilicueta. Now, you and I, Steve, have been singing these praises for months in terms of what a player he has been, what a servant he has been to the club. And in my opinion, he will go down in the same level as icon slash legend as people like Ashley Cole and Petr Cech, in my opinion. I saw him yesterday, and he wasn't the worst player on the pitch, but because I was so close to him on that right, where he was positioned at right back, I saw most of it. He's, he's got no more pace. His legs have gone. And as a right back in a competitive league like we are in, and against sides that are going to be at you, out wide, all the time, he's going to struggle. He is going to really struggle in 1v1 situations. He struggled yesterday. That's where I think, as well, the team needs to change. I think there will be a huge clear-out in the summer. I think there'll be players people will expect to leave. I think there'll be players that people won't expect to leave. But my goodness, this club, unfortunately, is not the club we loved 20, 15 years ago. I get every football club has to evolve. We're evolving. It probably will take some time. I'm hopeful for the future because of the signings we are we have made or what we're about to make. But there's still something missing. And I still don't see how or where Todd's going to improve the philosophy of the club. Because at the end of the day, we are a club that has been successful and we should be staying successful. We've got one of the best academies, not just in England, not just in Europe, but in world bloody football. And we've got one of the best finance... We we were one of the best financially run clubs in terms of money spent with the reward in trophies. We were one of the best in, in, in terms of that. And you said it, Steve, and I've said it, and even former players that have been on the show that have said it. Chelsea is a very nice place to live. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a very nice place to live. So everything hey, is there. Close, Keith. I couldn't afford to live there. That's the problem I was playing. <laughs> I bet you could now. Don't lie. Um, but in t- that's where I'm coming from. And I just feel that at the moment, we are in a bit of a road to nowhere where I know what the owner's trying to do, but he's not getting the results from it. And one of the reasons I think is because of the manager and I think it's because of the players' mentality that half of them don't want to be there anymore and are just getting the paycheck and it's affecting the team on the pitch and it's affecting the fans. The only thing I can possibly imagine, and we are going to talk about it in a minute, with the Man City games, is there has to, things have to change. I get Chelsea's philosophy and I get Chelsea need to evolve. My goodness, things have to change quick because otherwise 
Mr. Potter with his magic wand ain't going to be there in the summer? Well, first of all, I don't wish that on anyone. But to me, the person that's made the decisions of where we are at the moment, every decision lays at the chairman's door or the owner's door. He's the one that's come in. I didn't like the wolf whistle in the first game where he was, you know, I, I didn't like that. I thought, you know, the one thing that, that our previous chairman had was absolute class. Um, but he's made the decisions. Where he's got those decisions from, I haven't got a clue. Um, but he's running it, lock, stock and barrel. And I think it, everything lies at his door. Um, and to create and try to re recreate Brighton Football Club, a Chelsea Football Club, where on earth do you get that from? Where on earth, knowing football as it is, do you get that from? Because I can't work that out for the life of me. You know, Chelsea Football Club, two years ago, was one of the elite three in this country. And the elite three in this country were Manchester City, Liverpool and Chelsea. Man United weren't even in, in that elite three. It was those three. Those three would ultimately be battling for the trophies of that league. And we have now, due to new management, due to the chairman, the owner's philosophy, it's so foggy at the moment, I can't see where Chelsea are going. It's like we've, we've woken up under his leadership and it's just foggy. There's no real, there's no real plan. There's no real, yeah, the, one of the plans he's got, which is, is good, he's signing young players. He's signing, but ultimately that won't affect where Chelsea are going as a club. It might in two or three years' time, but it's not going to affect them now. And what we need is to hang on in there and minimum this season, be in the top six. Minimum. And at the moment, if we, we've got a hard game, we've got two hard league games game, uh, coming up over the next you know, and I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, oh my God, it's quite feasible that we could lose both those games. And it's quite feasible that we could be 13, 14 points away from the top four. Our next three our next three Premier League games. Well, actually, we'll go four because we, we, we might as well add them to the, to the list. Our next four Premier League games, Steve. Man City at home on Thursday. Fulham on the 12th, and that's no easy game. No. Excuse me. Palace then on the 15th. And then Liverpool on the 21st. Have we got Newcastle in there anyway? No, Newcastle is last home game. Last oh, yeah. la last day of the season is Newcastle at oh. home. But, but it, you know, I said, I was speaking to, to my son the other day, and I said, you know something? We need to get six points. Bournemouth and Notts Forest, we need to get six points. Yeah. And I, I thought that if we drew the two games, then 
the manager would be under pressure. But we, we didn't. We won the first game, like I think we should. Bloody hell, you know, when you... And then, you know, yesterday we went 1-0 up. I thought, great, we're going to close that gap. We end up drawing and not playing very well in the second half at all. And someone on the radio said that, basically, if there's one team that looked like winning at the end of the game, it was just not Forest. Yes, I don't know yeah. I don't know whether it's true. Um, no, he's pretty much spot on. They they were the much the better side the second half. That and that shouldn't be. And I look at it when I hear Pulisic, when I look at here players that and you know bless him, Aspilicueta, as you said, a real legend in Chelsea's history. But you know something? That's the one thing that he, we should let him go to Barcelona when he could have signed for Barcelona. Let him go. Yeah, I agree. You know. I think I there's times where we keep hold of players too long. You know, Zelic, the way he played for Chelsea last year, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have him in my club. I'd want him out as quickly as possible. All right, he played great for Morocco, but you know what? As a Chelsea person, paying him a load of money, I'd be even more hurt seeing him play the way he played for Morocco. I'd be even more pissed off, to be honest with you. That he can do it for them, but he can't do it for us. And if players don't respect the club, and I'm not saying for one minute Aspilla Quetta doesn't respect the club, but other players, if I, I'd say, right, go on, off you go. And the one thing about being an owner of a club and a, a manager of the club is getting rid of your bad eggs at the right time. Because that affects the whole dressing room. And to me, there's something not right with the Chelsea players at the moment that there's something not right. And I think that could be in the dressing room at the moment um, because they're playing without the things, the lovely big words that we say, you know, about about Chelsea over the years, the passion, the desire. To me, I look at them play and I don't see that. I don't see Chelsea playing with passion and desire. And over our dead bodies, are we going to get beaten there? We've gone 1-0 over our dead bodies and we're going to let a goal in here. We're going to win this 1-0 if need be, but we can get a second and a third. I can't... I don't see that Washington play anymore. And I know, it, you know it's like keeping possession. Yes, we had a huge amount of possession in the, in the game yesterday, but we got nowhere. It was so boring watching it. You're thinking, that must be the 15th pass and we've got five yards. Sideways, backwards. Forwards, five yards. Backwards, sideways, forward. It's the most oh, frustrating game to watch. And, you know, you, like many Chelsea fans, have driven, I don't know how many hundreds of miles to get up there. You go up there and, you know what? You deserve better than that. I have to say, it was quite a pleasant drive going up there. There was nothing on the roads. I was very happy that it was on New Year's Day because everyone was either hungover or couldn't be bothered. The roads were clear. It was brilliant. But, yeah, three hours there and back. Yeah. And were you, as a Chelsea fan, take your podcast hat off, were you satisfied with what the commitment you made and what you saw on that day? No, because I was expecting a... A three 0 win for us, yeah. yeah. And I, based on not just you know, again with it being Chelsea, but form, 
You know, Forrest got spanked by Man United last game. We beat Bournemouth partly comfortably. I thought, okay, we we score the first goal. We will be in control. We'll be fine. We were in control in the first half. And I'd, I'd love to know what Potter said to him at half-time because the team that the team that played in the first half did not come out for that second half. No. And again... And it's the same thing against Bournemouth. And again, you know, I, I've always said to you, um, and I go back to my Terry Venables days, who was the, by far the best manager I ever worked for. You know, we could be struggling in a game or we could be winning a game. And you go in at half-time and you can guarantee whatever he said made us better. Whatever his instructions were, whatever change, tactical changes he made, nine times out of ten, he'd make us better. Yeah. And that, that's what a manager's all about. You know, a manager's about, you know, another that they were talking about, and someone asked that, what did your manager, you know, manager say at half-time? Because you were like different class second half. And he said, oh, yeah, he, he had a lot to say. And he was like, you know, sometimes I... Uh, I Listen, I wonder with with Graham Potter if he, know, he knows how he wants to play, but has he got a plan B? Has he got a plan C? Can he make those changes? Can he, you know, because... I'm not sure he can. Hmm. And, and I know what I said earlier about, you know, if, if what type of season I w- would like if we didn't finish top four, if we finished where we was and won the FA Cup. It actually dawned on me. And I, again, apologies, but it has been a bit of a, a long week. I forgot we was playing Man City in the FA Cup. <laughs> and we're playing them Sunday. I completely forgot. We're, we're playing Man City twice in one week. Shall we preview that, Steve, to try and end the show, whether it could be a positive or not? Well, if Everton can go out there and get a point, then who knows? But we're at home. No, we're at home both games. No, we're at home in the no. league, and then we're, no, we're away there in the FA Cup. Yeah, No, we. to be fair, to, to, to be honest, we've got to improve a hell of a lot. Because if we don't, then I fear for the worst. Do you think it'll get to a point, and I am including the Man City, so this is part of the preview. If the performances stay the same, where they have been all the way back to before the World Cup, when we were shit against Arsenal and even worse against Newcastle, and even last night, if we play like that again twice against Man City, so when it was under Conte and it was under Sari, where we got smacked, got spanked six nil, yeah, at the Etihad. If that happens again, do you believe, Steve, as a former player and uh, as a fan now, that fans will turn, not just on players, but they'll turn on the manager? Yeah, I think they will, Keith. I think they will. I, I, I think they will turn. Be, uh, because I, I think what they'd realise is how far behind we've come to a side that we once pushed all the way. I think it will be a you know, measure how far the club gone backwards, I think. You know, if we play Man City and we lose 
or even 2-0. And they dominate the game, which they can do. I think there's no hiding place for anybody at the club. And it's going to be interesting because for all, um, we've always pushed them and we've had a rivalry with them. But, you know, also if the other results go, then our Champions League dream is out the window. And I think there will be a lot of pressure on that game and there'll be a lot of passion on that game. And I think there might be Chelsea fans telling people what they think. Mm. Um, I, and I think most Chelsea fans at the moment, are, and I listened to Talk Sport after I put the phone down to you, and the frustration that was coming through from the supporters, the utter frustration about, you know, what the end product is with Chelsea, what are we trying to do? What way are we trying to play? Because no one knew. And, you know, all they came up with was we passed the ball around but never got anywhere. Um, and there was real frustration. And I think that will boil over against Man City. If Man City came, come to Stamford Bridge and they play at their best and the result went wrong for us, in terms of a 2-0 or 3-0 defeat, I think there'll be a lot of animosity at that ground. I really do, because I think there's a lot of people at Chelsea not quite understanding what the, the management plan is or what are they trying to achieve. And I, I, I think there will be quite a lot of frustration. There will certainly be booze at the end of the game, that's for sure. Um, but, listen, who knows? I'd like to end it on this, Steve, in terms of the Man City thing. I said this to a, a chap in one of the pubs at Nottingham yesterday. We are the type of club, and we've always been like this, whether we had money or whether we didn't have money. We've always been a type of club where we would... Win a game 3-0 or lose a game 4-0. And it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if, for example, we spanked, we, we got spanked by them in the league, but we end up winning comfortably at the weekend in the Cup. Wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. So we shall watch with interest with both games. I'm hopeful the performances will improve. I want us to be competitive. Put your challenges in. Calls the defence. Constant aggro. If we can play with a centre forward, I mean, that would be nice. And let's see. But if anybody's expecting us to reach top four this season, I think that's out the window now, personally. That's gone. Well... I'm getting a little bit concerned. I'm looking at the, the, you know, the biggest game of our season. It's got to be the Dortmund game now. You know, I'm looking at the, the Dortmund game, thinking to myself, God, you know, we've got to. So important that we win that and keep our interest in the Champions League, just for the whole club. And that game was a lot easier two months ago than it is now. Yes, agree with that. Yes, and that's how football can change. But that's how football can change. Um, and, you know, it's going to take a massive team effort over two games to win that time. 
because all of a sudden that's not easy anymore. You've been quite happy with that draw a few months ago. All of a sudden that's become a hard draw. Yeah. And that's how life at Chelsea Football Club has changed. And it's sad. I look at it and I find it sad. Well, this was it. And I will end it. The, you know, the conversations about being so negative on Chelsea with this was that one of the guys who I was standing next to at the ground, funny enough, recognised me. So we was talking um, throughout, the, throughout the game. And he he looked at my facial expressions during the game and even afterwards. And he said, you don't look angry. I said, no. I said, there's no need to be angry with it. A draw against Forrest, listen, it happens. But it's sad that within 12 months, my club has declined to the point where eighth is where we deserve to be. Because we have people in place that shows that we are where we are at the moment. And it's a sad state of affairs. So I wasn't angry with drawing to Nottingham. It was sad. And for me, that's worse. Because yeah. I've, I've seen us through the highs of Roman and I've been angry when we've lost. Might have been our only defeat that season, but I was still angry that we lost because I'm like, how can we lose? We are Chelsea Football Club. Now, I was just relieved that it that the referee blew the whistle because, as you said, the only the only team that was going to win that was Forrest. And that is sad. I hate saying that. Hate it. It's a sad indictment of the yes. club being up there, challenging the best. Um, and they've won the Champions League twice. And I don't think Foley and the manager understand what they're dealing with, what, what they've got to accomplish that will please the Chelsea fans. I think they're way off, way off. Um, and he, he, you know, he made a statement today about, uh, we've got to be humble. We've got to understand that, play, that teams want to beat us. With all due respect, if the players have to know that, you know, whoever you play, what's being humble got to do with it? Go out, give a hundred percent, get the game won, because we've had to deal with being one of the top dogs for the last 10, 15 years. And we shouldn't, what is he talking about? The better you become, everyone wants to be you. And that's where you want to be. That's where you want to be. Everyone. I remember playing Liverpool when we, you know, we beat them in the, in the FA Cup. And they they were European champions. They had Daglish and they had everyone. Yes, we went out there and we ran our balls off. And yes, we beat them 4-2. And it was unbelievable. But they had to deal with that week in, week out. And that's the, the, the better team you become and greater t- club you become, you have to deal with that. Everyone wants to, wants to beat you. And if you've got to tell your players that, they need shooting. It's like Janet and John. Maybe, you know, it's, it's you know, these things that, that, that are said in interviews, it is like Janet and John in terms of the Yes, that, that's what comes with being successful. The more successful you become, the more everyone wants to beat you. Yeah. Sad. 
Yeah, he's sad. That's the word, sad. The one thing that I will predict, and I've said this before, um, I do believe it will end in tears for somebody. I don't think it'll. Be, I don't think it'll end in tears for the fans. I think again, Chelsea will move on from this little. What well, seems as if it's going to be a long-term blip slash change, um, but in terms of the tenure, in terms of how things are going to happen, I think we all know where it's going to go, and it and it will end in tears for somebody. But what won't end in tears, Steve, is this podcast. And we are working on something very, very special in relation to the podcast. I can't give too much information out at the moment because it's still in the mind, so to speak, of the creator. But we are working on something very, very special. So please do join us for that. We have got many, many interviews coming up. I've got them coming out of my ears at the moment with people uh, contacting me, finding out when I'm available and finding out from certain other individuals when they're available. So be sure to catch us with that one. Um, if you haven't already heard, if you've been living under a rock over Christmas and New Year, our latest, <clears throat> excuse me, our latest interview with Eddie Nedswicky is out now or uh, everywhere else you can find your podcast and on YouTube as well. That has been released We've also got Marco Ambrosio interview coming up at the end of the month, so be sure to catch that one. And we're going to have a few surprises in store in the next coming months. We are hopeful as well. Uh, the podcast is actually going to do something quite special in March. Uh, again, we're working on something quite special then, so be sure to subscribe to our channel for the latest news, and we will be announcing something hopefully within the next few weeks in terms of that. But we're going to hopefully end on a positive, Steve. And in terms of New Year's resolutions, and I'm not one to make them because I don't hardly think that they actually come true or believe them. But for 2023, Steve, just quickly to round up the show, what are you, what's your hope this year for Chelsea Football Club? Where do you see the club going what what are you hopeful for for Chelsea Football Club this year do you know what Keith I'd be quite happy to get in the Europa League and I know that sounds strange but I think it's really important that Chelsea Football Club stay in Europe um, I really do I think it's one of the most important things that we've got to do and if we can't get in the Champions League we've got to go for that Europa League spot and we've got to win that trophy and put that in the bank. And I think, you know, it, it, what I don't want is for us to be like Tottenham and Arsenal and saying in 10 years' time, the last time we won a trophy was 10 years ago. And I honestly believe we've got to stay up there as hard as we can get. And I would say that that's Champions League because, you know, it's, it's so football is there's so many fine lines. You know, you, you look at David Moyes, all you hear on the radio is is West Ham fans wanting to get the sack. All what he's done over the last two years has, has been forgotten. The fact that he's got them into Europe two years on the trot. Um and they've it's had been two, for nothing. Yeah. It it's unbelievable, it's so fickle. Um but from a a fan that loves the club. And, you know, 
to me, it's important that we stay in Europe. And if it's the Europa League, so be it. But that's got to be our aim. If we can't get in that top four, that's got to be our aim. Well, let's hope that Chelsea can at least secure a European spot. And even if it has to be Europa Conference League, so be it. But don't know about that ho- one. I don't know about the Mickey Mouse Cup, but 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 I hope the uh, the Europa League would be my uh, yeah. Mind you, Jose made a meal out of that one, didn't he? He certainly did, and rightfully so, because he is the special one for a reason. But we hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. We have enjoyed doing this as well. We Again, we, we enjoy having a bit of laughter and a little bit of a joke on this show, Steve. But we hope that you've enjoyed it. So tell your Chelsea friends, tell your Chelsea mates down the pensioner, tell your Chelsea mates in the West End about this show, about the podcast, about the interviews that we have done in the past and what we are going to do for the future you can find us on instagram at the blue day podcast find us on twitter at the blue day pod you can find us on facebook where we have over ten thousand followers so thank you very much for those that are liking us on facebook we do all appreciate it here's been steve wicks i have been keith lawrence stay safe folks and carefree Podcast Network. Aumenta el desempeño de tu vehículo, elimina los depósitos del sistema de combustible y ahorra gasolina con O'Reilly Auto Parts y Lucas. Llévate dos botellas de tratamiento para combustible Lucas por solo 10 dólares. Detalles en la tienda. Realiza tus compras en tu tienda O'Reilly Auto Parts más cercana o visita O'ReillyAuto.com. O'Reilly. 